Corinthians chapter 12. And we, um, last Sunday evening, we began this study and laid some foundation and um, talked a little bit about the manifestation of the Spirit, the purpose of the gifts, and the fact that those that the spiritual gifts that are, that are mentioned, list, listed here by the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, in this 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, that these gifts are still in the church today, and they are still, well, I say in the church, they are the gifts of the Spirit. They are manifestations of the Spirit. So um, as long as the Holy Spirit is within the church, then these giftings, um, these spiritual giftings, are still there. The Holy Spirit's still here, correct? So those gifts are still, um, are still for us today, even in the 21st century. And uh, uh, so we're going to read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 1, down through verse 11, okay? Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. So there are different giftings, but it's the same Holy Spirit that gives these gifts and manifests these gifts. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. And the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And I'm, I think I made mention of this the other night and um, about the fact that, that these gifts, these manifestations of the Spirit, are given to um, the body of Christ. They're given to be used, manifested in our, in our walk with the Lord, not just in a church service, but as we see when we study these gifts, that everybody that is filled with the Holy Spirit can be used in these giftings at various times. And you need these gifts operating in your life all the time, not just or only when you're in church, all right? So these gifts are given, it said, to every man. Now, when it says every man, it's talking about male and female. In Christ, there's neither male or female, bond or free, Jew or Gentile, black nor white. Isn't that right? We're all one in Jesus. Amen? So when it says to every man, we, women are included. Don't, don't get me started on, on that because there's those today that say, well, you know, women can't preach. They can't speak. They got to be quiet. We'll save that for another night. Amen, but uh, amen. <laughs> but, it's, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, which is a special faith, as we'll see when we get to that gift, by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing, the gifts of healing. And in the Greek, both words are plural, so it's, it's actually gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. And we'll, we'll, we'll find out when we get to those vocal gifts, especially on prophecy, that when, he, when the simple gift of prophecy is not someone predicting the future, okay? So we'll find out about that when we get there. But, um, but uh, verse 11 says, did I read tongues? Verse 10, tongues into another interpretation of tongues. 
But all these worketh that one in the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now, look at verse 31 of that chapter. The last verse says, But covet earnestly, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I to you a more excellent way. And then, of course, the more excellent way is these gifts operating in love, which is the 13th chapter and what that's all about. Amen. So he said in, chap- in verse number 1 of that chapter, um, I would not have you ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Then in verse 31 he said, But covet earnestly the best gifts. And then in chapter 14 in verse 1, he says, Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts. So we are to, we are to not be ignorant about these gifts. That's why I'm I'm ministering on them on Sunday evenings because the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to be ignorant about them. He wants us to understand um, what they are and how they function and how they operate in our lives and in the church. He wants us to covet those gifts and to desire spiritual gifts. And I made mention of this the other day, or last Sunday night, that the entire church, body, corporately, all of us who are born-again believers are to covet and to desire and to pray for, corporately, the gifts of the Spirit. And then as we do that, the Holy Spirit then will distribute those gifts as He wills, as He desires. Amen? I mean, you know, sometimes people say, well, I, I, I've heard people say this before. Well, I want the gift of healing, gifts of healing or the working of miracles. So I'm going to fast and pray till God gives me the gift of healing. The Bible says that he distributes, that God distributes, the Holy Spirit distributes these gifts as he wills, as he desires. I told you Sunday night, you know, I think it was, you don't, there's not a little toggle switch here that where you can just say, okay, I'm going to turn on the gift of prophecy and just prophesy. There's some people think that you can do that. There are, there are, there are churches that are having classes and they're teaching people how to prophesy and how to operate in the gift of prophecy. They're having what they call impartation services where they impart the gift of prophecy where I can call you up and lay hands on you and say now we're going we're gonna to impart the, this gift to you or that gift to you or this gift to you. Well that's not the way it works. We as a church covet the gifts we as a church desire the gifts we as a church pray for the manifestation of the gifts we as the church we we seek God for the gifts and then the Holy Spirit distributes those gifts and operates those gifts as he wills and desires in whom he wills and desires when he wills and desires all right praise the Lord so we need to understand that now there are there, there are three different groups of three gifts each, so they're divided up. They're not listed this way in the scriptural text, but there are the revelation gifts. There are three groups, the revelation gifts, the power gifts, and the vocal gifts. The revelation gifts are the word of wisdom, which we talked about last Sunday night, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of the spirits, the discerning of spirits. By these revelation gifts, the mind of God is made known to the church. These gifts reveal something from the Holy Spirit to the church. They're revelatory, or revelation gifts. The second grouping is the power gifts. In, the, in that group of power gifts is the gift of special faith, the gifts of healings, and the working of miracles. These three gifts manifest the ability of God within the church and the body of Christ. These three gifts do something. The first, the first, grouping, um, the first grouping reveals something. These three power gifts are, is God's power being manifested and revealed in the church, bringing about healing and bringing about miracles and moving mountains, and uh, that's what that gift of faith, special faith, that's mountain moving faith. It's not just faith that we say, okay, I'm going to believe God for this or that or whatever. It's not the same as just a common faith that we receive 
by studying the Word of God. Faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This is a special gift of faith dropped into the heart of a child of God that when that gift is in operation, there ain't no doubting. Come on. There's no doubt that that mountain is moving, that that miracle is going to take place. And I believe that the gift of faith, of special faith, operates in conjunction with the gifts of healing and with the gift of the working of miracles as well. I know we, we hear people say today, these things have passed away, these gifts have passed away. And, uh, uh, you know, that God's not doing miracles anymore. But I, listen, that's not true. God has always been a miracle God. He always will be a miracle God. He has not changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then the third grouping, of course, is the vocal gifts. And we're, well, we're aware of those gifts. Those seem to be the gifts that are, that are in manifestation more than any of the others in the body of Christ today. And those are the gifts that, that um, manifest the voice of God to the church. Those vocal gifts are the gifts that say something to the body, say something to the church. And they are diverse kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. The gifting, the gift of diverse kinds of tongues is the gifting given by the Holy Spirit to give messages in tongues that in a local assembly, in a church service, that are to be interpreted. This gift cannot operate in the church without the gift of interpretation. All right? Because if it does, then that's what was happening in the Corinthian church. They And we'll, we'll get into that somewhere down the line, but that's what was happening there. Everybody wanted to, they got so caught up and the things of God, the Spirit of God, everybody wanted to speak in tongues, but there was no interpretation, there was no interpreter, and nobody was being edified. If somebody gives a message in tongues and nobody interprets it, nobody's edified except the person that gave the message. Amen? They're being edified by speaking to God in that, in that unknown tongue, in that heavenly language, but nobody else is getting anything out of it because we don't understand what was said. Just be like me, you know, when I, when I preached in, in Uganda. Um, there, there was an interpreter that, it, that interpreted to the people what I was saying in English, and it was hard for me to learn to do that because you know how I am when I get to preaching. I ain't used to stopping and letting somebody else say something, you know, in between. <laughs> Praise God. But but if there had not been an interpreter, nobody would I would have been a barbarian to them and they wouldn't have understood anything that I said. But these three vocal gifts, tongues and interpretation, and I'm just giving a preview of these, we'll get into them later. But tongues with interpretation equals the gift of prophecy. All right? It's just like somebody said, well, I don't understand that. Well, it's, it's like having a, a dime or two nickels. They'll both equal the same thing, okay? So, so prophecy would be the dime. Um, that's a, an utterance in the tongue, the native tongue of those that are there that would speak to edify, exhort, or to comfort that church. But, but um, you know, without a message in tongues, but tongues plus the interpretation, do the same thing. And so they edify the body. A tongue, a, a message in tongues with the interpretation. And that, that you know, and, and it all has to be judged. You know, we hear a lot about that today. We're not supposed to judge anything. The Bible tells us we, we, we are to judge prophecy. We are to judge the interpretation. We're to judge the message preached. How do we judge it? We judge it according to the Word of God. We judge it whether it's scriptural or not. Amen? I, I, have you ever heard prophecies uh, in, somewhere in a church that you knew that wasn't the Lord? I have. I thought, well, then that doesn't that doesn't line up with the scripture, amen. Like one lady prophesied, somebody said one time and said, if if everybody in this church, thus saith the Lord, everybody in this church better right, line up and get right, or I will write Michelob above the door. Somebody messed up. Said they sat down and got back up a little later and said, I said, thus saith the Lord, I said Michelob, but I meant Ichabod. 
<laughs> it's stuff like that that's give Pentecost a bad name, church. Amen. <laughs> Anybody can make a mistake, but uh, praise God. But but my point is, we we judge the prophecies, we judge the interpretations. Do they line up with the Word of God? So those are the those are the groups. Those are the groupings of the gifts of the Spirit, and. Uh, um, The vocal gifts, as I said, are the ones that are more prominent. And so we'll save them to last um, when, we, when we get into that. Last week we talked about this word of wisdom, the word of wisdom. Verse number 8 says, For one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. And we said to you that the word of wisdom is not just normal wisdom. It's not just simple wisdom. It's different from wisdom that, that James spoke of when he said that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Regular day-to-day wisdom can be obtained through studying the Word, meditating the Word in the Word of God. Uh, we can gain wisdom that way. The book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. It's, it's God's wisdom book. We need to read from that book on a regular basis. He said wisdom is the principal thing. We can gain wisdom from studying the Word of God. But that is not the gift of the Word of Wisdom. The gift, uh, the spiritual gift of Word of Wisdom is not just the gift of wisdom. And I, heard, I hear people say that, you know, that somebody has the gift of wisdom. Well, that's not what this gift is. It's not referred to just as the gift of wisdom, but it's referred to as the Word of Wisdom. So what is the Word of Wisdom? It's not, it's not all of God's wisdom given to somebody, but just a word of it. Just a portion of the wisdom of God imparted by the Holy Spirit to an individual spirit. It's a supernatural, and here's what it is. It's a supernatural revelation regarding the divine purpose and plan of God. It is the mind of God. It is a word of God's wisdom pertaining to futuristic events. And so that's what the word of wisdom is. I gave a couple of Bible examples last Sunday night of this gift and operation in the Bible. That's the best way that I know that we can understand it is by what we see, how we see it operating in the Bible. It was through the gift of the word of wisdom that Noah knew that there was going to be a flood. God gave him insight, a word of God's wisdom, and let Noah know that in the future the earth was going to be destroyed by a flood. So he got busy building an ark. Amen? It was the word of wisdom imparted to him. Amen. God revealed to jo- Joseph through dreams a word of wisdom showing him his life in the future and what was going to happen to him in the future. We talked about, um, about uh, the Apostle Paul, how he was used in the word of wisdom when they were getting ready to put him on the ship and they were getting ready to sail to Rome. And Paul said to them, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, guys, he said, I perceive that this voyage is going to be dangerous. It's going to be full of harm and loss, and, and it's just got going, it's not good. We, he said, we shouldn't go right now. I perceive that. It was a word of wisdom of God giving him that there were going to be, if they, if they did sail, that that was going to be danger ahead. And guess what? They didn't listen to Paul. That's just the way it goes. Preachers need to understand that. People will not listen to them. Amen. <laughs> and so they went ahead and sailed. The guy that was over the ship said, Nope, looks good to me. We're going. And they did. They wouldn't listen to Paul. And so what happened? A few days later, they got in a terrible storm, and uh, everybody was afraid they were going to be destroyed. But Paul got another word of wisdom, and he stood up and he said, Listen, guys, uh, there's going to be, first off, he said, You should have listened to me. He should have listened to me, but she didn't. But anyway, he said, nobody's going to die. Everybody, the ship's going to be destroyed, but we're going to all make it safe to land. Everybody's going to make it. Nobody's going to die. 
Well, how did he know that? It was He knew something that was going to happen in the f- near future because God let him have a word of God's wisdom to let him know. Do you see how this gift can operate in your life even outside of the church? How many would say there's times that you, that I need a word of wisdom in our life for God to let us know something? It could be a warning not to go somewhere. It could be a warning not to take that trip. It could be a warning not to do this or do that. It's God letting you know something that's going to happen in the future that you would have no way of knowing outside of it being by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen? How many believes God still can do that today? How many believes the Holy Spirit knows what's going to happen tomorrow? How many believes the Holy Ghost knows what's going to happen next week if we would learn how to listen to the Holy Ghost and the wisdom of God? The word of wisdom operating in our life. Amen? All right. Well, let's go, let's go on. Let's go on. The word of knowledge is the second one listed. In that 8th chapter, and I'm talking about this grouping of the revelation gifts, to another is given the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a difference in the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. Now, let me tell you, first of all, what the gift of the word of knowledge is not. It is not, just like the, gift, just like the word of wisdom, it is not the gift of of knowledge. Now, I know people refer to it as, as that, as well, it's just knowledge that you gain and that you learn, and God just gives some people the gift to be smarter than other people. And they can just know, they can just obtain knowledge better than other people. That is not what this gift is. Amen? Now, can God help you to acquire knowledge in school and do good in your classwork and all of that? Yeah, He can do that, yes. But that's not the gift of the word of knowledge, okay? But, so it's not knowledge that is acquired from education or schooling. The gift of the word of knowledge is not fortune-telling. It's not crystal ball gazing. It's not consulting psychics or mediums or Ouija boards. Is anybody out there? It's not getting the, the magic eight ball and asking it a question and turning it over and getting an answer. That is not the gift of the word of knowledge. Amen. It has nothing to do with the occult. Now, this gift can be, can be mimicked and can be counterfeited by the occult. And it is by familiar spirits. But this gift is a supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the word of knowledge is that revelation, that supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit of certain facts in the mind of God concerning people, concerning places, and concerning things and events that pertain to the past or the present. And as I said, the word of wisdom pertains to events, that, uh, uh, deals with events that pertain to the future. The word of knowledge is God's knowledge given to you, something that you could not know in your natural mind, but it's imparted by the Holy Spirit to you concerning past or present events, okay? Concerning dealing with people, with places, with things or events in the past or the present. It is a word of knowledge, which means that it is a fragmentary part, just a little part of the entire knowledge of God, and it's just what God wants us to know at any given time. Do you believe that God knows everything. Amen. He is omniscient. He knows everything. He has all knowledge. He knows everything from the past and the present and the future. He knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. Can I get an amen? So he knows what's happened in the past and he knows stuff that's happening in the future and he can give anybody by the Spirit, any believer, a word of knowledge. Now this gift, this gift is a benefit and, and would be, if we would operate in it, a great benefit to the, 
the believer, to the child of God. Because many times the gift of the word of knowledge, if we would allow the Holy Spirit to, if we just seek God and allow the Holy Spirit to impart this gift, this gift would be used many times and is used many times to solve problems that we don't have an answer for. Amen. Am I, been the, am I the only one here that's ever said, I just don't know what to do? Anybody ever, say, anybody ever said, I just don't know what to do? And you know why we, sometimes we don't know what to do? Because we have, we have just an, an inferior knowledge. We're not, we don't know everything. But how many of y'all know that God always knows what to do? Amen? I preached that, preach that message once in a while, what to do when you don't know what to do. Amen. And, and that's, that's, that's the thing. God always does know what to do. And so this gift, operating in the believer, can solve a lot of problems. Because the gift of the word of knowledge is a specific insight and specific knowledge given by the Holy Spirit to know what to do when in the natural you don't know what to do. That ought to be worth the price of your mission tonight. Amen? Can I give that to you again? It's specific insight, insight and knowledge given by the Holy Spirit to the believer to know what to do when in the natural you have no idea what to do. It's got a word, a portion, a fragment of God's knowledge supernaturally imparted to your spirit by the Holy Spirit where the light bulb just comes on and, and you just know that's the answer. I'm about to get happy here. Amen? Now this gift is used a lot. Uh, we see it in the Old and the New Testament. And, uh, you know, a couple of examples. I won't go into detail in all of them. But a couple, a, 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 just a few examples. You remember, we just got done studying about the life of Samuel. But you remember when, when the children of Israel wanted a king. And um, Samuel said, well, okay, you know, God will give you, God will give you one. If that's what you want, he'd he really rather you not have it, but he'll do it if that's what you want. And so, so there's, the story goes how that Saul's daddy's donkeys were lost. You know the story? And Saul and a buddy of his are out looking for his father's donkeys. And they come up to the town where Samuel abides. And, and they told him, said, somebody, the guy told Saul, he said, there's a seer or a prophet. That's what they called a prophet in those days, a S-E-E-E-S-E-E-R, a seer. A seer means he could see things in the spirit. Oh, hallelujah. And he said, there's a seer in that town. Maybe he can tell us where the donkeys are. Well, he goes there and and the Bible said that the day before, now this, this, is, this is awesome. The day before that Samuel came there, the Lord told, or that Saul came there, the Lord told Samuel about this time tomorrow. Now this is a word of wisdom because it dealt with the future. He said about this time tomorrow, there's going to come a guy here to town looking for some lost donkeys. And he's the one that you're to anoint the king to be king over Israel. And sure enough, that time, that next day, just like the Holy Ghost said, here comes here come Saul looking for lost donkeys. And so Samuel, uh, you know, he, he, he conveyed that information to Saul that he, what he, the Lord had told him. But then Samuel told Saul this. He said, the you can stop looking for those donkeys because they've already been found. So that's already done. That was a word of knowledge. He, God let him know that the prophet had already been solved and they had already been found look with me look with me that's just one example but look with me in in second kings tonight chapter 6 second kings chapter 6 this is a familiar um, story that we're all uh, have read many times and I've preached on it but in second kings chapter 6 in verse number 8 it says this 
Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such, in such, and such a place shall be my camp. And this is the king of Syria. He's, he's strategically planning out his, his battle plans against the king of Israel. I'm going to put a camp here, and I'm going to put a camp here. And the man of God, who was Elisha, the man of God sent to the king of Israel and said, Beware, don't pass over there by that place, for over there the Syrians have come down and they got their camp set up over there, so don't, don't go over there. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and he saved himself there, not once or twice, but several times. He had insight. Then the heart of the king of Syria was troubled because wouldn't you be? I mean, every time you've, he's setting up armies, he's setting up camps, and, uh, uh, you know, he's setting up ambushes for, for, the, for, for the king of Israel and his armies, and he knows every time. The king of Israel knows every time where he's going to be. And so the king of Syria is all upset and he's troubled. And he said, he said, called his servants together. In verse 11, he called his servants together and said uh, to them, he said, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, uh, you know, there's, 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 a, there's a rat in this place somewhere. There's a mole here somewhere. Amen. He's, you're, you're giving my military secrets away. It's collusion. <laughs> and he says, tell me, which one of you is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, well, none, my lord, O king, but it's that prophet, Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel. He tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. Praise God. That's the word of knowledge. The only way that Elisha could know where these armies were going to be the Holy Spirit gave him the knowledge to know that. All right? Do you get the idea? That's the word of knowledge. Amen? And if you flip back one page, you remember the in 2 Kings chapter 5, you remember the healing of Naaman the leper? How that Naaman the Syrian came down to be healed of his leprosy because the little girl had told him, said, boy, you know, if Naaman was, was down there with the prophet of God that's in Israel, he'd heal him. He'd get healed of that leprosy. He could heal him of that leprosy. And so the king of Syria sent Naaman down with a bunch of money and with a bunch of jewels and a bunch of uh, fine clothes. And he went to the king of, of Israel and said, I need to be healed of leprosy. And they sent him, he sent him to Elisha's house, the prophet. You know the story. Naaman comes to Elisha's house and uh, he says I want to be healed of this leprosy and Elisha said I'll go jump in the lake well actually he said go dip in the Jordan alright dip in the Jordan seven times and he didn't want to do it but he did and he got healed when he obeyed that's another message but when he obeyed the prophet he got healed and he came up and his skin was, was just as fresh as a baby's all the leprosy was gone well he tried Naaman tried to pay Elisha for his healing. And thank God Elisha wasn't like a televangelist today. <laughs> if you send me a thousand dollars, I'll send you a prayer cloth where you can get healed. Well, that wasn't Elisha. Come on, amen. You can't buy the gifts of the Spirit. You can't buy the healing power of God. And so he tried to give him money, and he tried to give him stuff, you know, and he said, no, I'm not taking anything. Elisha said, I'm not taking anything. And so Naaman took off, heading back to Syria. But notice this. You remember what happened? Verse 20 said, Gehazi was the servant of Elisha, of Elisha. And he said, you know what? He said, my master spared Naaman the Syrian. He didn't receive from his hands what he brought. He didn't get no money out of it. But as the Lord liveth, I'm, I'm going to get something out of that guy. So Gehazi follows Naaman, 
And Naaman sees Gehazi running after him. And so he stops, you know, his chariot and he goes to meet Gehazi. And he said, hey, is everything okay? And he said, yeah, all's well. But notice what he says. Then Gehazi says, yeah, my master sent me to you saying, uh, well, you know, um, uh, you know, there's been some, there's, there's come to me from Mount Ephraim a couple of young men, sons of the prophets. Um, I, I need a talent of silver and a couple of changes of remnant. Just go down, go down there and catch old, old Naaman and get, get that money that he offered. And Naaman said, oh, yeah, that's no problem. Be content. Take two talents. And so he urged him, and he got two talents of silver, put them in two bags, two changes of garments, laid them on Gehazi's, upon his servants, and they, they took them to Gehazi's house. And Gehazi took them into his house. Now, Elisha calls for Gehazi to come in, and Elisha said to Gehazi, hey, where you been? And Gehazi said, I haven't gone anywhere. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> Amen. Well, I hadn't been anywhere. I went nowhere. And Elisha said to him, notice, went not my heart, verse 26, went not my heart with you when the man turned again from his chariot to meet you? Is it, in, is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants? Hallelujah. The word of knowledge that was imparted by the Spirit allowed Elisha to know exactly what Gehazi has done. Amen? You might hide some things from some people, but you ain't hiding nothing from the Lord, and you're not going to hide everything from everybody because as long as somebody's got the Holy Ghost, they can know what's going on as long as the Lord will reveal it to them through a word of knowledge. Can I get an Amen. Have you ever had anybody lie to you and you just knew in your spirit they wasn't telling you the truth? I wasn't planning on plowing deep tonight. I saved that for Wednesday night. But the word of knowledge was operating, and he said, The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave to you, Gehazi, and to your seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper white as snow. The judgment of God fell on him instantly. There's, a, there's a, a New Testament example along those same lines that took place in the early church. So I said, well, that was in the Old Testament, that with Elisha. But, you know, in the book of Acts, when the early church, the New Testament church was in its infancy. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5, you all know this story. I mean, everybody was selling in the church. They were, they were selling possessions. They were helping others out and all of that. And the Bible says that, uh, that Ananias and Sapphira sold a possession, and they took back, kept back part of the price. And uh, Ananias and his wife were both in on this deal. And they brought a part of, of the money that they had got out of selling this possession. They were not required by the church to sell anything. They were not required to give it all, if anything. It was a free will deal. You know, you do what the Spirit of God leads you to do. But, you know, they could have sold that property, kept it all themselves, or sold it took part of it to the church and said, here's part of what we sold. But no, they lied. They thought they was just lying to the preacher. But when you lie to the preacher, you're lying more than lying to the preacher. Come on, somebody. He kept back part of the price, brought it in, laid it at the apostles' feet, and told Peter we sold a possession. This is how much we got from it. It all belongs to the church. Giving it all to the church. And immediately Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? How did he know the word of knowledge imparted by the Spirit? Let him know that Ananias and Sapphira had lied. He said, while it was yours, while it was your own, 
You know, you could, you, you could, after you sold it, it was in your power. You could do what you wanted to. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men. You've not lied to men, but to God. And Ananias heard those words and fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on them that heard these things. Immediately died right there in the church. I've often said it's a good thing God doesn't do that now, man. We'd be having, I couldn't keep up with the funerals. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, help me, Jesus. <laughs> they took him out, buried him, had his funeral and buried him. Three hours later, his wife came in. I always did like that because, you know what that says? Three hours went by, and they're still at church, still having church. Three hours later, they're still having church. And Sapphira come in. She didn't know what had happened, and, and uh, she, she brought in some money, you know, and Peter said to her, hey, tell me um, whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yeah, that's how much we sold it for. And then Peter said to her, how is it you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? The feet of them which have buried your husband are at the door, and she'll carry you out. Then she fell down straightway at their feet, yielded up the ghost, and the young men came in and found her dead and carried her forth and buried her by her husband. Great fear came on all the church, and upon many has heard these things. That's another example of the word of knowledge. The only way that, that Peter knew that they were lying about their gift was the, the Lord gave them the knowledge. The Holy Spirit gave them the knowledge of that. Amen. Now, let me do one more. Let me, let me finish this out here. One more. In Acts chapter 9, this is probably my favorite one. To really, to, to really illustrate the operation of this gift of the word of knowledge. In the ninth chapter of Acts, Saul has just been saved on the Damascus Road. And he's there in the city. Um, he's there in the city of Damascus. And um, he's blinded and he's praying. And the Bible says that he was there three days without sight. He didn't eat or drink. And verse number 10 in, in Acts chapter 9 says this. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The thing you want to notice about this guy is that he was not an apostle. He was not a prophet. He was not, he didn't have any, any gifting, but he was just a disciple of the Lord. He was, a, he was a believer in Christ. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And, and he, the Lord appeared to him in a vision and said, Ananias, and he said, Behold, here I am. Now, here's the word of knowledge being revealed in a vision. Sometimes it can happen in a dream. Amen? Isn't that what happened to Joseph? I mean, the, the angel appeared, the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, take the young child, Jesus, go, to, go down to Egypt because, um, uh, not Pharaoh, Herod is going to seek the young child's life. That was, a, that was a word of knowledge to know what to do in a situation. He wouldn't have known it any other way. Here in a vision, the Lord speaks to Ananias and says to him, listen, Ananias, arise and go to the street which is called Straight. And inquire in the house of Judas For one called Saul of Tarshish For behold he prayeth And has seen in a vision A man named Ananias Coming in and putting his hand on him That he might receive his sight Amen. Notice, notice what's happening here. Ananias was told by the Lord where to find Saul. It was a knowledge of the past and a knowledge of the present. Amen. He couldn't have known it any other way, but it was revealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit spoke to him through the word of knowledge, told him what street to go to. He didn't have an iPhone with a GPS, but he had the word of knowledge. He had the Holy Ghost. 
Ghost. And the Holy Ghost said, go to Straight Street. Go to a particular house. A house by the man, a man by the name of Judas. And ask for one that is called Saul. He's there praying. He's already had a vision. He's already seen you coming in and laying hands on him that he can receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, my. I believe it's time for the New Testament church to become a New Testament church again and to have the operation and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The word of knowledge. I've seen this gift mimicked and used. And, and you know, I, 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 I hesitate to say some of these things. But, but nevertheless, it's the truth. I mean, I've, I've, I've saw services where, where, where evangelists or preachers would call people out and tell them their name and tell them their mama's name and tell them their social security number and tell them their address and tell them their, their phone number. And they'd say, oh, I know that was God. Well, I'll tell you what. I know my phone number and I know my address and I don't need nobody else telling me that tell me something I don't know let me know it's the Holy Ghost come on any familiar spirit any familiar spirit could know my phone number didn't intend to get into all that but that's why the Holy Spirit says, that's why the Word says we have to judge these gifts. I just don't, I don't fall for everything. You can't either. Amen? Whew, glory to God forever. These gifts will always operate to bring about edification. Edification to the body to help someone in some way, all right? In this, in this respect, to let us know something. Well, God let Ananias know where Saul was and what he was doing and what the need was. What a great gift this word of knowledge would be in the prayer life of a believer. In the prayer life of a believer. For, for the Holy Spirit to be able to show us people that are in need of prayer. It's a, it's a, it's a fragment of God's knowledge concerning places, people, or things, or events to in the past or in the present, God, through the word of knowledge, can show you somebody that's in need of prayer, that needs help, and that you need to pray for, or intercede for, or send a text to, and encourage them, because they're going through something. And you wouldn't have any way of knowing that unless it was a word of knowledge given by the Holy Spirit. The church must live in these last days in the supernatural. The pastor must pastor the church in the supernatural. The congregation must live in the supernatural. And I'm talking about the supernatural power, manifestation, and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The genuine flow. The genuine flow of the Holy Spirit. Not, man, there's so much. Listen, there's so much. And I, you know that that has, is going to have, that preachers are going to have to answer to the Lord for, for abusing and the gifts of the Spirit and misrepresenting the gifts of the Spirit. I've told you this before, and we're going to close, all right? Somebody will go get Sister Sandy for me. Thank you. Um, Dylan had to leave, go to work. But um, so, where was I at? Yeah, so much has been done uh, in the name of the Holy Spirit and uh, under the guise of the gifts of the Spirit that is, n that is misrepresented God and is not the real gifts, operation of the gifts. And those ministers, that's why, you know, it's, I take this stuff seriously because I'm going to have to stand before the Lord and give an account before God of how, how I've operated. If I, if I lead somebody astray in any way, I'm going to have to stand before God. You know, there's a, there's a very chilling passage of Scripture that is given by the Lord Jesus 
in the book of Matthew. And Jesus said that at the judgment in that day, there will be those that will stand before him and say, Lord, haven't we prophesied in your name? Haven't we cast out spirits in your name? Haven't we done many wonderful works in your name? And Jesus never called them liars or said they didn't do those things. But what he did say was, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. That's a chilling thing. That's a chilling thing. There's been, there have been ministries and ministers that have been on television that have sold prayer cloths and sell, there's one still going that's selling miracle water. You can pour this miracle water on you, drink this miracle water, and you can get a miracle. Let me tell you something. That is that is merchandising the gospel. It's merchandising the anointing. The Holy Spirit is not in that. I told you, I've told you before. I've told you before about, about years ago when I was living in Cape and I was working there and I, I would come up to St. Genevieve Festus and, and the job that I did would take me to, all the way to Arnold at times. And when I'd get up this way, I'd always I'd, I'd dial in KXEN 1010 on the radio dial and I'd listen to preachers. I always wanted to try to catch Jimmy Swaggart when he was on. And then, then right after Jimmy Swaggart was Brother Shambach at 1030. But there was, there was one dude on there and I can't remember his name. But this guy had three different prayer cloths plus a red string. And if you send an offering, he had a white cloth, he had a red cloth, I believe it was, yeah, and a gold cloth. The white cloth, he said, has healed every known disease. The, gold, the red cloth was for devils and demons, and the, and, the, and the gold cloth was the prosperity cloth. He said, put this gold cloth in your wallet and you'll never be broke again. Amen? And then in just a little while, in just a little while, he was on there saying, now I need people to start sending some money into this radio station because if you don't send me some money, we're going to have to go off the air. I found myself shouting at the radio. I said, put the cloth in your billfold, dude. Use the cloth. <laughs> Amen. But it's that type of thing that, that, has, that has given Pentecostals a bad name and a bad rap. And there's a lot of fake and there's a lot of counterfeit. But just, you know what? The, 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 the presence of the counterfeit lets me know one thing. You can't have a counterfeit unless you got a genuine. Amen. Nobody, nobody is counterfeiting $27 bills. You ever seen a counterfeit $27 bill? No. You know why? Because there's no real ones. They only counterfeit what is real. Satan only counterfeits the genuine what is real. There is a real move of the Spirit. There are real gifts of the Spirit. There is a real manifestation of the Spirit. And that is what we want here at Abundant Life Family Church. To flow and operate in the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Stand with us tonight. Let's worship the Lord. Amen. Sister Leona is going to help us out on the keyboard tonight. All right? Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord for a little bit tonight.
access those gifts in this church to let those gifts be operating in this place in his church today Lord stir up those gifts manifest those gifts hallelujah we pray for the gifts we covet them tonight you would use us let those gifts operate as you so will as you so desire within the church have your way Holy Spirit let the rain of your presence fall upon your church have your way Lord let us be a supernatural church in these last days we need you desire you, Lord. We worship you tonight. Hallelujah. Let it rain. Let it rain, Jesus. Send the rain of your presence upon us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. How many want to see a manifestation of God's power in these last days? Oh, do it, Jesus. Restore those gifts to your people today, that they be no longer dormant. In Jesus' name, I believe it. I believe it tonight. Amen. Oh, yes. You know, the Lord's not coming back for a church that is less than what He left here. Coming back for the same church He left. we got to make ourselves ready. Amen. Praise God. God bless you tonight. We're glad you came. Good, good, good looking group here on Sunday night. We're glad you came. Stay for the business meeting. We'll be starting that in just a moment. Amen. Thank you, Sister Leona, Sister Sandy, Katie, for helping us out tonight. Amen. You can go ahead and sing another. Amen. Let's go ahead and worship the Lord. We'll, we'll start our meeting here in a little bit.